in your opinion, what do you think the most issue of our day is? Maybe you'd think, well, the government shut down or the wall or immigration. Maybe after the sermon last week, uh, you'd say uh, maybe it's abortion. Maybe a conflict between foreign nations, drawing our own nation into uh, some type of war. You know, sometimes I think that we measure the importance of issues that we face by the number of people mentioning them, by what's popular. But I don't think that's really the best way to judge an issue's worth. I mean, just because something's trending on Twitter doesn't necessarily make it important. I mean, you just never will be able to convince me that Margaret Cho in a poodle costume is of any significance. But I'd like to submit for your consideration this premise, that the most important issue is the one that has the longest impact on the greatest number of people. So whether you're talking about the government shutdown of 2019 or immigration or the potential for foreign conflict or any other number of issues, all of these issues are limited in either their uh, scope or the length of time that they affect people. But there's one issue, there's one thing, there's one force or power that has an impact on every single person. And in addition to the breadth of its impact, the lasting effect of this issue never ceases because it exists into all eternity. And this issue that I'm talking about is a subject that a man who wrote nearly half of the books of the New Testament knew very well. That man is the Apostle Paul. And at one point in his life, Paul wrote an extended letter to a church that he had never visited, the church at Rome. We call that letter the book of Romans. And so Paul knows that this one issue, which is the most important issue of all time, it is the connection point between himself and this church that he had never visited. And that issue is the gospel. And in the very first verse of his letter to the Romans, in Romans chapter 1, verse 1, Paul introduces himself and he says, Paul a bondservant of Christ Jesus, called as an, apostle, as an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. The issue is the gospel. It's the issue that Paul is, finds his entire life set apart for. And that is the most important issue of our day. It is the gospel. Whether or not it's the most popular thing on Twitter makes no difference. Because the gospel is a point, it is an issue, a subject that will impact every single person who's ever lived for all eternity. The gospel is so important that Paul has devoted his life to it. You might say, well, what is the gospel? The gospel is simply the good news about Jesus. That's what the word gospel means. It means good news. The gospel is the good news about Jesus. And Paul tells us about this gospel in the first chapter of Romans. He says that the gospel has been promised. This good news about Jesus has been promised by God a long time before in the ancient days by God's prophets in the Old Testament. The gospel includes the fact that Jesus, this man Jesus, not only died on the cross for our sins, but He was resurrected from the dead. And Paul finds himself as the one man that God has set apart to be His emissary, His ambassador, to tell all of the Gentiles the good news about Jesus. What are Gentiles? Gentiles are non-Jewish people. 
And Paul says, this is on me. This is my burden. And Paul makes it clear to the church at Rome that he's not finished preaching the gospel, not until he draws his last breath on this, on this earth. And he says to the church at Rome, in Romans chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, he says, I'm under obligation, both to the Greeks and the barbarians, to the wise and to the foolish. So for my part, I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. And now we really get to the heart of the matter for Paul. I'm going to ask that you take your Bible, if you have it, and turn to Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. In Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17, if you don't have it, it should appear on the wall behind me on the screen there. In Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17, and if you would stand with me, please, in honor of the reading of God's Word. We're in the series, Romans, Mercy to All. And Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. Heavenly Father, give us insight into these key verses today. It's in your name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. These two verses that we just read are the theme of the entire book of Romans, and some would call it the theme of the entire Bible. And if you want to understand how to be right with God, you need to understand these two verses. And so I want to look at these verses carefully. Paul says in verse 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel. Paul's not ashamed of the gospel. He has dedicated his entire life to telling people the good news of Jesus Christ. He's not, he's not ashamed of Jesus. Not at all. Paul sees himself again as the apostle, the representative of God to the Gentiles. In other words, he's the one who's going to take the message to those that have not yet heard about Jesus. And so if people who are not Jews are going to come to faith in Jesus Christ, Paul feels such an obligation, he says, this is on me. I have to tell them. I have to start churches everywhere I go that will multiply this message and get the word out to everyone on the face of the earth. He's not ashamed of Jesus. He's not ashamed of the gospel. Let me ask you, what about you? Are you ashamed of Jesus? I mean, if you're a follower of Jesus, do you sometimes hesitate to tell people that you're a follower of Jesus? You're afraid of what they might say. You're afraid of what that might do to you at work or at school or, or something like that. The people might think that you're weird or you're somehow off. You are somehow uh, need to be put in the corner and ignored or something like that. There's a lot of Christians who, who try to hide the fact that they're Christians. Jesus said very clearly, Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man, will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory. And the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. You know, we've reached a point in our society where people are proud of the things that they should be ashamed of. And they are ashamed of the things that they should be an ambassador of. People flaunt 
their depravity, like it's a badge of honor. But if a good man, a godly man, stands up for his faith in Christ, he's labeled intolerant. Listen, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, do not be ashamed. Do not be ashamed of that. Stand for your faith. And when you stand for your faith, please don't do it with a scowl on your face. Okay? Please have humility in your heart. And joy in your heart. Because the world can't stand it when people are happy. They just can't. they got to figure out, why are you so happy? Stand for your faith in Christ. Paul continues in verse 16. He says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation. Listen, that's the reason that we should not be ashamed of the good news of Jesus. Why? The good news of Jesus is how people get saved. The good news of Jesus is how people go to heaven when they die. The good news of Jesus is how people become a part of God's kingdom and God's family. It is through the good news and only through the good news. And so you can tell someone about Jesus. You can tell someone how the Son of God died on a cross to pay for their sins and He rose from the grave to give them eternal life. You can tell someone about Jesus and then stand back as God takes over. Because that simple message penetrates the heart. The Spirit of God will use that message to penetrate the heart of someone who doesn't know the Lord. And God will take your proclamation and my proclamation of the good news of Jesus and He will bring salvation to people. The gospel message itself is the power of God that brings about salvation. But... It only saves those who believe. Look at verse 16 again. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it, the gospel, is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. To everyone who believes. You have to believe in Jesus to be saved. You have to believe in Jesus to be saved. This word that is translated believe, or sometimes it's translated as the word faith in the book of Romans. It's the same Greek word. It is a very important word to Paul. It is used 40 times in the book of Romans itself. Belief in Jesus is absolutely essential. And the awesome thing is that everyone who believes in the Lord Jesus Christ, will be saved. Everyone. Preacher, you don't know what I've done. Everyone who believes in the Lord Jesus will be saved. Preacher, I, I use the Lord's name in vain. Everyone who believes in the Lord Jesus will be saved. It doesn't matter what you've done. Even if someone was in this room today who would say, I've actually killed a person. Listen to me. Everyone who believes in the Lord Jesus will be saved. You might have a difficult time forgiving yourself for anything that you might have done. But God says, I forgive you. There's now no condemnation 
for those who are in Christ Jesus. Romans 10.13 says, Whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Whoever means you. Whoever means me. If you will call on the name of the Lord for salvation, you will be saved. God will save you. He has promised and God keeps His promises. The gospel is the power of God for salvation to you if you believe. I don't go to church that much. It doesn't say only for people who go to church all the time. It says to everyone, everyone who believes. Look at this next part. Again in verse 10, in verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone to, who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. The salvation of God, the gospel, came to the Jews first and then to Gentiles. But why? Why, why does the gospel go to Jews first? That's a good question. Here's why. God chose one people out of all the peoples of the earth to be His people. And He chose Jews to be His people. What does that mean? It means that He revealed Himself to them. It means that He gave them His law. It means that He called them to be a light to all of the other peoples, all of the other nations of the earth. And it means that through Israel, God produced the Savior of all the world. It was through Israel that God brought the Savior and the Lord of all humanity to this world. And so it's only right that the message of salvation, the gospel of Jesus, the Messiah, would go to the Jews first, and that's exactly what happened. Jesus said to His disciples in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem, that's the heart of where the Jews were, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea, that's the surrounding area, and Samaria, the neighboring country, and all the rest of the earth, the remotest parts of the earth. And that's exactly what happened. The good news of Jesus was first proclaimed to Jews that were worshiping at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. And then it went to the surrounding area, of Judea. And by Acts 8, the gospel moved to Samaria. By Acts 10, the first Gentile got saved. His name was Cornelius. And so the gospel started with the Jews first. And then we come to verse 17. And this is the verse that changed the world. Romans chapter 1, verse 17. Paul writes, For in it, in the gospel, in it, the gospel, in the gospel... The righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written. But the righteous man shall live by faith. Here's what the first part of that verse means. It means when we proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ, God reveals to people that He can declare them to be right with Him. To be righteous. What does it mean to be righteous? It simply means to be right with God. It means that there's no longer any sin, there's no longer any failure that you've done or committed or failed to do that keeps you from God, that separates you from God. There's nothing anymore that separates you from God because you've heard the gospel message and now you believe 
and the Lord Jesus Christ. And you might say, well, how can this be? I've done bad things. I've said bad words. I've thought bad thoughts. And everything that you do is either an action or something spoken or it's something you think. And I've got three strikes against me real quick, multiple times over. How can it be that God can declare me to be right in His eyes? How can God accept me when I've committed so many sins? I mean, God is holy and He's perfect and He's righteous. I'm not. How can God accept me? How can He just say, you're forgiven, you're made right? Here's how God does it. God does it by faith. In other words, the moment that you have faith in Jesus alone, God declares you to be righteous. Here's basically the way it happens. It is as if you're on trial. And God is your judge. And all of the evidence of your life has been presented before Him. And you have an accuser. That is the devil. And all throughout the li your life, you've given the devil a lot of evidence to use against you. I mean, it's not looking good. He is your accuser. And you've sinned against God an awful lot. And now it's time for the judgment. And God says to you, I find the accused not guilty. Well, the devil doesn't like this judgment at all. He doesn't like this verdict. He says, uh, but your honor, the accused has sinned against you, your honor. And the judge says, my son has already paid the penalty for that. And because the accused has faith in my son, I declare the accused not guilty. Case dismissed. And then the judge says to you, you are more than just the accused. You are my child. I'm adopting you into my family. Everything I have is yours. You see, your faith in Christ, that faith that you have, which once you have that faith in Christ and you you say, I trust Jesus alone for my salvation. God takes that faith, and at that very instant, He declares you to be eternally righteous, right with Him. And that faith that started on that day that you gave your life to Jesus, that you trusted in Him alone, that faith grows and continues with you, Every single day. And that's what Paul means by saying from faith to faith. From that initial faith. And it continues on to an ever-growing deeper faith. Every single day. Now let me share with you how the rest of this verse changed the world. 
verse 17 says, in it, the gospel, for in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. You see, over 1,400 years after Paul wrote those words, there was a Roman Catholic monk and professor and priest by the name of Martin Luther. He was in Wittenberg, Germany, and he was studying this same passage that we're studying today. He was studying the book of Romans. And he knew that that last part of verse 17, the righteous man shall live by faith. He knew that was a quotation from the Old Testament. And it is from the book of Habakkuk. And Martin Luther knew that this verse in the book of Habakkuk was so important that it's quoted three separate times in the New Testament. Why is this statement so important? The righteous man shall live by faith. Why is that so important? What does it mean that a righteous man shall live by faith? How, Luther asked, can a sinful man like me be reconciled to a holy and righteous God? What can I do to gain God's favor? What can I do to make God like me and make all of my sins go away? And then the lights came on for Luther. He figured out what was going on. And he figured out why his own church had missed this simple truth that is the key to understanding how God reconciles sinful people like Martin Luther and you and me to himself. Here's what Luther realized. Paul, when he wrote this, he was writing in the language that we call Greek. Common man's Greek. And that's what Luther was studying. He was studying the Greek language. He was studying the Greek translation, or the, the Greek understanding of Romans chapter 1. But his church, the Roman Catholic Church, had translated the New Testament from Greek into Latin. And by doing so, they actually changed the meaning of this verse. You see, the, the Latin word for righteousness is a word that is pronounced eustificare. We get the word justification for it. And it's made up of two other Latin words. Eustus, which simply means justice or, or to be made right. It means right. But the other part of eustificare is the word facare. The word facare means to make. And so, the Roman Catholic Church had always understood this verse, and they still do today, this way, God makes unrighteous people righteous. How? Through the sacraments of the church. In other words, the Roman Catholic Church taught that if you want to be made right with God, you must partake of the sacraments of the church. That's how God makes an unrighteous person righteous. What are the sacraments of the church according to the Roman Catholic Church? Baptism, the Eucharist, or we call it Mass, confirmation, penance and reconciliation, we call that confession, anointing of the sick, sometimes it's called uh, the, the last unction, marriage, 
is a sacrament, and holy orders, or the priesthood. And according to the Roman Catholic Church, every time you partake of the sacraments, a little bit of the righteousness that Jesus acquired when he was on earth, and it's in his account in heaven, a little bit of that righteousness is put on your account. And you're made just a little bit more righteous than you were. That every time you partake of the sacraments, God accepts you just a little bit more. How do we know what's enough? You really don't. But then, in the 16th century, this man, this Roman Catholic priest, Martin Luther, made this amazing discovery. Because he's not studying Romans chapter 1, verse 17 in Latin. He's studying it in the original Greek. And the Greek word does not mean to make righteous. It means to declare as righteous. It means to consider as righteous. It means to regard as righteous. To count as righteous. And it finally makes sense to Luther. Partaking of the sacraments don't make me righteous. They don't make me acceptable to God. Instead, God simply declares me to be righteous when I have faith in Jesus alone. My faith is not in the sacraments. My faith is not in the Roman Catholic Church or the Baptist Church. My faith is not in the Pope or a priest or a pastor or anyone, but Jesus alone. And when I have faith in Jesus alone, God declares me to be righteous. And it was this truth, hidden from the world for over 1,400 years, that was finally revealed again. And it became the impetus of millions of people being set free from their bondage to a system of guilt and uncertainty. Today, you have an opportunity to stand with me and with Luther and with the Apostle Paul himself and to take a stand and believe in Jesus Christ alone for your salvation. I'm asking you to embrace with the entirety of your being, the best you know how, this idea that you are declared righteous by God simply by having faith in Christ alone. Because it is the power of God to make you saved. The gospel, the good news that Jesus died for you. So do you believe today? You've got a choice to make. The gospel forces you to make a choice. If you decide to do nothing, that's a choice. But I'm asking you to say yes to Jesus. And if you believe, the gospel will become salvation to you. And it will change your entire life. But if you don't believe, it's just another story. Just another philosophy. Just another fairy tale. That some silly religious people believe. You may have seen the, the uh, movie Polar Express. At the end of that movie, and I hope I'm not giving anything away, but at the end of that movie, there's a little boy and he's in his bedroom. 
he's the star of the whole movie, and there's a there's a little bell. And when the bell is shaken, he hears it ring. Mom and dad come in the room. And they shake the bell and they say, Oh, isn't that too bad? That bell doesn't ring. It's broken. But the little boy can hear the bell. He hears it ring. What's the difference? He believes. They don't. If you decide not to believe in Jesus Christ today, it'll just be a fairy tale to you. It'll just be something other people believe. I'm afraid there will be a rude day of awakening when you find out that you're wrong. But if you do believe in Jesus, the gospel message will come alive in your heart. And it'll change your whole life. And these songs that we sang, where we declare that I'm not alone because God is with me, that will be real to you. He'll never forsake you. He'll never leave you. The issue is you have to believe. I believe in the gospel enough to dedicate my life to it. I mean, there's a lot of other things that I could have done with my life, and there still are. I could change my mind to go do whatever I wanted to, I suppose. But I've dedicated my life to the gospel. It is the most important thing. I believe the gospel of Jesus Christ down in the core of my heart my soul, and I surrender my life to God, not because I'm trying to earn God's favor, not because I did some bad things in my past that I'm trying to make up for, but simply because God has said, you're forgiven. You're righteous. Tell other people about it. And so to the best of my ability, that's what I try to do. What about you? Do you believe? 